Today's episode is called Hammond Roy. Today I'm talking about Charles Bukowski's book, Hammond Roy. The first book I've read by Charles Bukowski. I came across him on YouTube there a few months ago, a few interviews by him. I really liked what he was talking about, found him an interesting guy, interesting thoughts. So I gave this book a read. One of the first things that stood out to me was how simple the language is. I like the chapters too, they're short and snappy. And I like the way Charles has an ability to cut through the noise and to say the things that we mightn't want to say or acknowledge. I appreciated that about him. Even from listening to his interviews, there's a cynicism about him that is actually quite refreshing because you get, you get closer to the truth of certain aspects of society. I think even on the back of this book, here's the book here. Normally I can't show the book because I'll have a, an image in the background that kind of blocks it today. I'm in a different room, so I'm just going to show it. That's the book there. On the back even, in an age of conformity, Bukowski wrote about the people nobody wanted to be, the ugly, the selfish, the lonely, the mad. That's the sense I get from this guy that he's willing to go to uglier and darker places and shine a light on them and find it refreshing and helpful. So in this book, you've got the main character called Henry. Henry's father is called Henry also. He's Henry Jr. Hank, I think is his nickname in this book. An example here of him cutting through the unspoken norms was he used at one point when, when Henry got a job, he used the word caste system to describe, I think it was mere Starbucks was the place he was working. There was sales clerks and stock clerks. He was employed as a stock clerk. And he noticed that the sales clerks didn't really speak to him or acknowledge him in a way that was humanizing. He spoke down to them. And he used the word caste system. And when you think of caste system, you would normally think of India. That's, the, that's what we think of when we think of caste system. So that word made me stop my tracks a bit and recognize that this happens a lot in the Western world, America and different places. There's unspoken norms where we communicate with people and it's felt. And that's just as valid then as when you officially recognize a caste system. So I just kind of appreciated that. There was lots of different things in with the character himself that I could identify with. The character, he went through a period where he had boils and scars and acne on his face and all over his body. And when I was a teenager, I dealt with acne also. And I found it very challenging, to be honest, on a psychological, emotional level as a man in a culture where what I found difficult was that it felt like men aren't supposed to care about looks. I think we're still in a, we were still in a transitionary period when I was growing up as a teenager. It felt like men, manly men shouldn't care about how they look. Yet at the same time, we've evolved into a society where men are no longer the providers in the household. Before, it used to be more important for a man to be earning a lot of money, his status in society. They were more important than how he looked. Now we've transitioned more to society where that's still important, but you also need to look well, dress well. And uh, there's a lot of pressure on guys, especially if you haven't got the tools to understand what's going on for you emotionally or psychologically. And I was very lost as a teenager. I didn't, I knew that I felt, 
I felt ugly when I had acne, didn't feel desirable, affected my self-esteem, my sense of self-worth. And when I was going through it, I could only really focus on the physical symptoms and trying to cure them. And I didn't really know how it was affecting me psychologically and emotionally, how that even could be connected to the physical symptoms. So when reading this book, I could... I could relate to the sense of isolation, loneliness, and a sense of being ugly and undesirable that you go through when you've got acne. And I, mine wasn't as severe as the guy in the book, but at the same time, it was, it was sort of relative. It was relatively bad for me because I had cystic acne. And it, it's one of those things. It does, it kind of, once you develop the first few cysts, up until then, I would have considered myself. I wouldn't consider myself Brad Pitt or anything, but I would have considered myself relatively attractive. When I had the cystic acne, though, I went through a long time in denial. I didn't want to acknowledge it. I just didn't feel desirable. I didn't feel attractive. And I bottled up a lot of that shit. And it does make you feel isolated. It makes you feel undesirable, unattractive. And I think even, I still even feel the effects of it today. Not as bad because I'm more aware of what's going on for me. And I have more of a, I suppose, an importance now on somebody's personality developing that somebody's mind having a beautiful mind that's also an element in attraction but in this book i could relate to the guy he showed an extreme version of it. i think he had to drop out for a semester of his school because of how he looked people just couldn't look at him he had very bad uh, boils and cysts on his face he had to go to the hospital get them drained so it was a lot of actual physical pain and then there was a lot of actual psychological and emotional pain there are other elements then I could relate to in this book for Henry. The environment he grew up in was very harsh, very hard. So when I'm reading this, I can relate to it to a certain extent. I'm not saying that mine, the place I grew up in was half as bad as this. It's a different era, different context, but at the same time, it's helpful because I think sometimes in the extremes, you open your eyes to something. And you start to see where your situation lies in the spectrum and you start to make process that and make sense of that. So in that regard, I find it's very helpful. What I also like about Charles in general is that he writes fiction, but at the same time, you can clearly see that there's a lot of his life, his lived experience that goes into the book, like Henry Hank in this book. He's originally from Germany. He was born in Germany, but he's living in America in Los Angeles. I know that that's a parallel with the writer Charles was born in Germany and he lived most of his life. I think it was in Los Angeles. He lived in America anyway. And from looking at his interviews too, I think he probably did go through acne because he does have some scarring on his face. And what I appreciate is that he's, work, he's writing a work of fiction, but at the same time, he's, he's putting a lot of his lived experience in there that convey the emotion. Then that's what I'm connecting with then because he's actually highlighting aspects of his own experience and of society that might be kept in the shadows if he didn't do that. That's what I appreciate about Charles. So what I got from this guy, Henry, I, I found him a very intelligent guy, but he was living in an era where he had to desensitize himself to survive. I felt there was a lot of survival going on there. His father had a lot of anger issues. His brothers as well were, I think his brothers had anger issues and they were drunks, his father's brothers. And his father looked down on his brothers. He looked down on them. 
he, he always felt like they should see the world how he sees it they should be like him and there was a lot to process there his father because he couldn't deal with his anger it often came out in shouting and then physical abuse as well towards uh henry the, the son he got to a stage where he numbed himself he got used to the physical beatings and eventually i think you got a situation where he didn't care anymore and his father couldn't hurt him his father realized he couldn't hurt him anymore and i think that's when the beating stopped but it's uh it was said in the 1930s, 1940s America, you got the impression that that was possibly quite a popular way of parenting as a father. I think the mother as well, she was lacking in certain ways as well when it came to, when it came to dealing with your emotions also in the father there was denial a lot of denial a lot of delusion i think he was living in an era where there was a lot of unemployment and he was unemployed at one stage he lost his job and he pretended to go to work so he bought a car to drive to a fictional place just because he cared so much about what the neighbors think thought even though they didn't have jobs either a lot of them in the neighborhood he was living in just to maintain that image for himself that he was somebody with a job he also had the delusion that he was rich or he was going to be rich so he sent henry his son to a rich person's school which he didn't want to go to he didn't fit in there and a lot of deception going on here a lot of lack of emotional intelligence and self-awareness i think as well so isolation is a big theme in this book and is even on a, a national identity level. So the main character, Henry, he was born in Germany, lived in America, but he seemed to identify as being German. There was even parts of the book there where he talked about, he didn't agree with fascism, but he didn't like the left-wing thinking either, the brainwashing that goes on there of people not really seeing nuances and describing how they really feel about things and just latching on to ideologies so there was a bit of that that came about that you really got a sense of i suppose the outsider somebody who doesn't feel like they fit in or belong and at times actually plays up to that doesn't really want to fit in with people because from henry there was also a sense that He looked at society as a trap, a series of traps. There's a series of traps that you fall into, even within the family structure, you can get sucked into that trap of I guess it's it's just living up to societal norms and sacrificing your individuality for that. I think that's the sense I was getting from him that he wanted to find a way to express his individuality which i think he was doing through writing through he had a typewriter he carried around with him that was actually the reason he got kicked out of the house from his father he read a few of his stories and he wouldn't have him under the same roof as him after that there's a lot of conflict between him and his father in this book
And what was interesting then was that you've got a guy who's intelligent, who's sitting, you feel like he's sitting as an outsider in the society he's living in. He seemed to see through a lot of the speech and rhetoric at the time too, from presidents and from just people in general. I think that kind of got under his skin a bit. He turned to drink. Drink seemed to have been an outlet for him to escape reality, the harsh reality that we all live in, I guess, in different eras. There's a lot of a lot of ways we deceive ourselves, I guess, from looking at reality. Even in the speeches, I think, when he graduated from school, there was a sense that people were saying, like the principal was saying nice things about the future, but it wasn't actually in alignment with the actual reality, that they were living in a time of high unemployment, and they were also going to be facing into a world war. There was talked a little bit about that is when when he started i suppose speaking his mind a bit more around like i said he wasn't a fascist but he was anti left-wing ideology too he just wanted to i suppose express a few thoughts in between us but that's always counterculture there as well but again what i found interesting he finally he he was somebody who wasn't that interested in the school system, but he was interested in reading. So he went to the library a lot. He read all the books in there, he said. And you got a sense that when he was reading things, he was looking for a sense of truth, a sense of personal truth from the writer, a sense of emotion, a sense of something there that's actually human. And he mentioned how the men in these books came into his life from nowhere. And they spoke to him in a way that the men who, that, who were actually living in his reality didn't speak to him in that way. Speak to him on the soul level. Speak to him something that actually resonated. So this book, it highlighted to me the value in, in books and in men and women speaking their truth in whatever way they can through whatever medium that will reach people, the importance of that, because without those outlets, you might resign yourself to the reality you're living in as the normal reality. So that's how Charles speaks to the the undesirables in society, the mad people, the unattractive, the undesirable people. Because in this book, there was lots of elements that like the physical, the acne and the boils, feeling ugly. And then, see, the thing I think with being a real free Tinker, don't know whether that's even possible to be truly free in your thought process. Something worth aiming towards, I think, in my opinion. But the flip side of that, of being a free thinker, to have some original, some sort of original thought, is that you'll often be felt, you'll often feel like you're a mad person. And I think it's really important to, when you're speaking, your mind and things when you're communicating to whatever medium you're communicating is to get a sense of how you feel about things and to get a sense of whether this is the right path for you to go down. So in this book, it seemed like alcohol then was a thing that helped them to escape reality. It caused a lot of, from reading it, it, it caused a lot of fights. It, 
not an awful lot of good actually happened when he was out drinking with the people he was when he was drinking with unless if it was an actual release for the violence within him i don't know maybe it was helpful to that regard but it didn't seem like there was an awful lot of helpful stuff happening whenever he got into drinking so just a few last points i want to make about this book as i said it's been an interesting book it's there's a lot in it a lot it speaks a lot of different things i'm just talking about a few things that stood out in my mind but there's many other things in this book actually going back to the point where he was talking about when the war came about and you had most of the teachers were left-wing whatever the odd one that was right-wing in the school he was going to what he mentioned in the book at one point was that he read in the book once that if you don't understand what you're talking about you're more convincing that's an interesting point to contemplate because he didn't explain he didn't expand any further on that that's why i found it interesting so when when i reflect on that it does make a lot of sense because the thing is if you don't understand what you're talking about you'll have oftentimes you'll have a very binary way of looking at things and a very simplified way of looking at things I found in reality that the people who have a deeper understanding of a situation are the people who don't have very strong opinions on something. They have a good depth and understanding of something because they're, they're, they're taking on board a lot of different points of views and they're not jumping to concrete conclusions. What I often find in the average person in society, though, is that they have very strong opinions about things that are very complex and they're very adamant that they're right. So if you're somebody who isn't aware of that, they will appear more convincing than somebody who actually has a lot of depth and knowledge, but they're not so convincing because they're not so adamant that they're right about what they're saying. There's a lot more room for nuance, which I feel aligns better with reality. Reality moves and changes quite a lot. So that was a very interesting point he made. And that was, I think, why he was getting involved as well in those arguments left-wing right-wing ideology i think he just wanted to throw a spanner in the work for the people who are just unthinking ideologues i think that was something that was quite interesting in this book that was another thing i wanted to talk about oh yeah the other main thing i saw in this book and it seemed like a survival mechanism from him was that he was very identified with what i felt you know he felt i felt he was very identified with this bad guy he mentioned the book at one stage that it was easy to be, be it was easy it's easy to be a good guy there's no bravery and courage needed for that but again that was something that i want i just reflected on after that that was something an interesting point he made because it's easy to assume that being a good guy is what you're supposed to strive to be in life to be a good guy look out for others even out there me saying look out for others that is not necessarily what being a good guy means because you can be a good guy. You can have this image of being a good guy in your own mind and you can aim to be a good guy because of what you think it will get you rather than being a good guy just for being a good guy. So if you delve a little deeper, what is a good guy and what is a bad guy? That's what it got me thinking about in this book because even what I was saying there, is all centered around the premise that there is such a thing as a good guy and there is such a thing as a bad guy. So I thought it was interesting for him to say that it takes no courage to be a good guy. 
I would agree with that. If you're thinking of a good guy as I suppose if you if you just never reflected on what is a good guy to you, because you can be a good guy to the extent that what's in it for me. So you're you'll never clearly define what a good guy is, but you'll have this kind of unspoken understanding of what a good guy is in accordance with what that will get you in the society you're currently living in. So if it's, if a good guy is somebody who's frivolous in your society right now, you'll be a good guy and who's frivolous because you want the attention from women that will respect that. So it's very conditional, this idea of a good guy. So it got me thinking about that. What would life be like if you didn't have this assumption that you can be a good guy or a bad guy? Because it really gets you to question, where are those, where are those, where are those concepts coming from? Where is the idea of a good guy and a bad guy coming from? What is a good guy? What is a bad guy? So what I found in this book was that Henry was very aware of good guys being, can be weak in that regard, that, that there is unquestioning, that it's, it's easy to do that. But I felt he went more on the other end of the spectrum with the bad guy, where he was, it was probably harder to be a bad guy because you're getting a lot of hate from people because you're genuinely doing, you're genuinely not being a good person because there was instances where he was very harsh with, friends he was he noticed that he would attract the the i suppose the stupid or the people who were undesirable into his life he wanted to befriend him and he resented them for it he wanted to just be left alone leave me alone why does it always have to be them why can't it be other people who are wanting to befriend me so he was quite harsh with a guy called baldy uh, that they nicknamed him uh, at one stage, I think he pulled down his pants because he had pajamas underneath them. He knew he had pajamas underneath them because it was something he told him to do himself. And he pulled down the pajama bottoms after that. And you could see there was disgust from the guys who witnessed that, that that was genuinely not a great thing to do, that it probably took a bit of bravery to do that. But it's not the right kind of bravery you want there because he's shaming somebody. He's stepping over the line there. So it got me to question that there. Like, is it useful to even have images of a good guy and a bad guy in your mind? It would not be better to like feel into what sit, sits right for you and what doesn't sit right for you. And then things might play out differently. Because I feel like when you've got this idea and image of a good guy, there's things that happen in your life that might actually feel okay to you, but from the outside, looking in society might judge and deem that you're not a good guy for for being like that or for interacting with people like that and it might actually be okay like i suppose i suppose the thing that it dives dive into is there's many aspects to human beings and they come out in many different ways in private with people and uh, I think you're carrying this construct in with you when you're judging yourself according to standards that are society standards and they're made up a lot of the time. So that's challenging there. I've got no conclusion about that. But I did find it useful to think a little bit more about that, let that sink in a bit more. Like where are these concepts of good guy and bad guy coming from? 
do I even have a definition for what a good guy is or what a bad guy is? Do I have a very clear definition about that? If I do, where's that coming from? Is it something that's useful for me? If it is, fair enough. Is it something that's really stifling and suffocating me? It's another thing to think about. So those were the main things that I wanted to talk about. Or down, no, I don't think there's anything more I wanted to talk about there. Oh, actually, there was one thing one teacher said like, that was interesting. He said, more and more we will discover our own truths and our own way of speaking. And this new voice will be uncluttered by old histories, old mores, old dead and useless dreams. So she was talking about the importance of writers, the importance of people putting new words, new conversations out there to help people to speak their own truths, to understand their own life, which I feel is very important, very relevant to today, very relevant to any era, because it comes, it comes back to freedom of speech. But I don't think it's useful to think so much about that. It's... Um, Really questioning what your intention is here. I feel if you're not coming from a place of malice and bad intention towards other people, you should speak your mind. And because it will help other people to understand how they feel about things. Because like I'm saying, life is very nuanced and you can have a culture that has very binary decision-making and very binary ways of looking at things that will restrict people and will cause a lot of damage if you're not expressing the real emotions and felt experience that we're feeling as human beings. We're not robots living in a culture that that's a problem. Like if you're living in a culture which has got all these rules, a lot of them unspoken, even if it was spoken, it was very clear. We're not robots. There's emotions there. There's nuance there that has to be dealt with. If it's not dealt with in a healthy way, it'll come out in very malfunctional ways. And in the long term, I think it's more destructive to society. So I found that interesting that one of the teachers mentioned that in the book. And they're the main things I wanted to cover today. Charles Bukowski is an interesting writer in many ways as well. He's very crude when it comes to sex, taboo topics, which again, I appreciate it because I've, I struggle with that. I don't really know what feels the right thing to say. It, sometimes when it comes to taboo topics, I, I, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to say something just for the sake of it, but I don't want to say nothing either so that it's like a, an elephant in the room that's hanging over me. So there's... What I, that's what I appreciate about Charles Bukowski was that there's a there's a dirty old man there that he's not afraid to let out, and I appreciated that because it I suppose it normalizes experiences as teenagers and as men that at least need to be spoken and acknowledged. So I found us. A challenging read got me thinking about things and yeah, I'd recommend reading it. There's, there's a lot in there. Hammond Roy. I'd recommend, yeah, I'd recommend giving it a read. So that's it. If you'd like to support the podcast, you there's a link below the video. You can buy me a coffee. Greatly appreciate that. Or you can join the book club. That's a book club, I guess, now. Where's the call where we just talk about talk about anything and everything, talk about what's on your mind. And we can center, center it around one of the books that I'm talking about on this podcast, if you're interested in these books, these voices. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. And I will speak to you on the next episode.